If you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. As we work our way through this book, um, I hope that it becomes more and more meaningful for you. I hope that this book uh, becomes clearer for you as well in your understanding as we think our way through precept upon precept. And now we're in chapter 7. I'm going to read, uh, just begin reading verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that the wind, no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees till we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their forehead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for this precious book. Thank You for giving us a glimpse into the future of what's going to happen. Uh, so that we can be informed, but, but we can act appropriately in our day and confidently in our day with faith in the Word of God, in this Word. We can know that you are coming. We can know with assurance that you are in control of these things. Even when we see the, the difficult days uh, approaching, we can, we can know with assurance that there's nothing that goes on on this earth that you are not in control of. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for that precious promise. I do pray that you bless our time in the Word. Give us clarity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the story of Israel is, is an amazing story. And I can imagine when we get up to heaven, that's one of the, the, one of the pinnacle stories that you're going to want to hear. Because it spans so much time, so much of God's effort, so much of God's energy. God just went to one man. Now, God has always had his remnant, but he went to one man, Abraham. And he promised that one man, Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a, 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 make you into a great nation. And you're going to be a blessing to all, all the other families of the earth, the nations of the earth. And God kept that promise. God finds uh, he, the next big thing that we see from God is he sees uh, Israel in Egypt and 70 people go into Egypt and millions, a couple million people are uh, in Egypt that are descendants of Abraham and he gives them grace. He shows them grace. He brings them out. Even as slaves, he brings them out. He puts them into a land and he blesses them. He gives them laws. He establishes them as a nation. He establishes boundaries and borders to that nation. And He is their God, and God is, uh, and, and they are God's people. They carry that title of God's people. And they are blessed. They are extremely blessed. And some, some generations took that seriously. But on the most, at the most part, most generations did not, and they failed. They failed to meet up to God's standard, to God's glory. They were to glorify God. In the process. 
Some generations were better than the others, but, but for the most part, they, they just, they failed. They were supposed to show their dependence upon God on a, on a daily, regular basis, even a weekly basis, and give God the first fruits of their, of their labors and give that over to God. They were to, to not plow a field every seven years. They were let the, let the crops uh, go dormant and, again, dependent upon God. But they didn't do that. They were to be a witness to the other nations. They were to be a light to the other nations. But, again, they, they failed. They were to uphold God's law and keep His law and be an example to all the other nations. And they failed. They did not. They did not. And so God promised. He said, now, if you do this, I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to send you off to the other nations. You will not be a nation any longer. And that's exactly what He did. He broke them in, in two and splintered them. And then they, sent, they were sent off to other nations. For 70 years, He scattered them. They were in other countries. They were not a nation. And then God began to bring them back. And we see that, that God did that. He brought them back and, and established them as a nation again, but they were never to the point that they were glorifying God. And by the time that Christ came along, by the time that, there were, that uh, Christ's life, there was a remnant. God always had His remnant. There was a few people, but as a nation, they were spiritually bankrupt. They were spiritually bankrupt. They didn't even recognize their Savior. They didn't recognize Him and His kingship. And so as a nation, they rejected Him. They rejected Him. In fact, they crucified Him. And shortly after that, God wiped them out as a nation and uh, essentially set Israel on the shelf. And He did not use Israel anymore. He said, you are, you are not My people. And He set them on a shelf. He said, I'm not going to use you. I'm not going to use you. And God turns to the Gentiles. God turns to the church. It's not a nation. A church is a nation. It's people from every nation coming together. It's the body of Christ. It looks different. It's God's chosen people. It's God's remnant here on earth. They were to represent God here and now. But they're not Israel. They're the church. The time of the Gentiles, the Bible calls it. That's what Paul calls it. But at some point, folks, the time of the Gentiles will come to an end. Paul mentions that. It was the passage that we read to us, that uh, was read to us earlier. The time of the Gentiles will come to an end. And it's going to be during this time of the, the tribulation. The time of Gentiles come to an end and God turns His attention back upon Israel. And that's what we find in chapter 7 of Revelation here. God is now turning His attention on the gen, on, off the Gentiles back on His people. Not completely, but His people will be the remnant that God uses. Now there's two points to the tribulation. Two purposes of the tribulation. First of all, is to bring judgment upon mankind. To bring judgment upon the human race. But at the same time, you look at the Old Testament and you look at the New Testament, you compare the two, and you also see another purpose is to reestablish Israel, to bring salvation, if you will, is the terminology of the, New, of the Old Testament, to bring salvation back to Israel, to restore them, to restore them as God's people. And that's exactly what you see. So if you notice the screen here, God will restore Israel 
as his witnesses on earth, which will result in the greatest revival the earth has ever seen at the worst time that the world has ever seen. And that is during the tribulation period. That is a statement. That's a statement. That's an amazing thing. But that's how God works. God sets Israel on the shelf. He doesn't use them for years, thousands of years. And then all of a sudden, His attention turns back to Israel. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's what we see. And we've been looking at the tribulation since chapter 6. It moves actually from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 18. The end of chapter 18 is a look at the tribulation. And we looked first at the four horsemen. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's the first wave of judgment, if you will, that God is, is sending upon the earth. And then um, a part of that, these seven seals that God is using, the first four are the, the horsemen. And then you, they have the fifth one, these prayers of the martyrs is, uh, is unleashed and moving God's hand of judgment. And then you have fear uh, as another Judgment, and that's the that's the sixth seal. It's as though God has turned nature against man, and man is terrified, terrified of that very fact. The last, uh, the last seal is in chapter eight, and in chapter seven, though, in chapter seven, if you notice, there's an an interlude. Just he just wants to interject something right here, and he does it kind of with a flare. He does it because he wants to get attention. This is God and His working here on earth. And He wants everybody to know. He wants John to notice. He wants John to write this thing down. And it's a significant amount of time spent on this one idea. On this one idea. And the question is, who will be God's remnant in, in, the, in the tribulation period? Who's going to represent God? Now, if the church, and I believe that the church is already taken up in the rapture before the tribulation, the church is taken up, then who's going to represent God? Who's going to represent God through those seven-year trial periods of of the world, this testing, this judgment period? I believe it's going to be Israel. And I base that upon this chapter 7. Now, there's three things I want us to see. We'll do it quickly here. They're, first of all, in the first three verses, they're sealed. These, uh, it's 144,000 are going to be sealed. And then you have, in verses 4 to uh, verse 8, you have their significance, who these people are. And then you see the results in chapter 9, or verse 9, all the way down to the end of the chapter. So let's look at this. First of all, the 144,000 witnesses... Sealed for God's service. Sealed for God's service. You see that. Now, I've already read this passage. You have four angels, and they're at the four corners of the earth, and they're holding back the wind. It's as though, and the wind in Scripture is always judgment. They're holding back judgment. Judgment is, is, is coming, and they're holding it back there, and it's, it's as though it's building up pressure. You know how that would be. Just building up pressure. It's like holding back a dam. Just building up pressure. And someday, some point, that dam is going to be released and all that wind is going to encompass the earth. They're on all four corners of the earth holding back this. And they're getting it ready to unleash this. And John says, I see this angel. And he comes up from the east. The rising of the sun, the eastern part. And he has something in his hand. He has a seal of the living God. Now, we know what a seal is. 
If you really want to make something fancy today, you would use this. But in the old times, this was, this was something very important. You would seal up a scroll, you would seal up a letter by taking a little bit of wax from a, a candle and you just drip that on to the edge of the letter so it seals that letter. And then you would take your insignet ring and put on that letter. That is a seal. And it would be stamped with the seals of the, the king's insignet ring would be there. Uh, and it would show possession. This is the king. You do not open this. This is important, significant. Don't open that. Now, what is this seal? Some people say, well, it's just baptism. It's just a sign of baptism. But I don't, I don't think it's more than, I think it's more than that. I don't think it is that. Some say, well, it's just a promise to protect these folks. And make sure they get into eternity. Into eternity. They're going to still have to go through persecution. They're still going to have to maybe even be martyred. And that kind of thing. But they're going to make it to eternity. It's just a promise essentially. That they will be in eternity with God. But I think it's. I think again. I think it's more than that. This is a protection from death. This is a protection from the worst part of the tribulation period. The last three and a half years. That's what. Uh, that's what, what the time frame of this is. It's right. Right in that middle point. These three and a half years. And he says they are bond servants. Look at this. Sealed the bond servants of our God in the forehead. They're sealed. They are gods. Now, turn over to Revelation chapter 14. just want to point this out. Uh, he mentions these folks again in Revelation chapter 14. Just quickly, you can understand this. Then, then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their forehead. That's these people. 144,000. And what do they have on their their forehead, His name, His seal. These are God's people. You do not touch God's people. These are God's possessions. Skip down to verse 3. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn this song except the 144,000. What's that about? He says, who have been purchased from the earth, and these are the ones who have not been defiled by women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who have who follow the Lamb wherever He goes, and these have been uh, purchased from among men as first fruits of God. It's a wonderful thought. First fruits of God and to the Lamb, and no lie was found on their mouth. They were they are blameless. Now, these are a special group of people. They're God's possession. He stamps them with, with His mark. And, uh, and they, are, they are His. And they are, they're chaste. They're, they're no life found in there. They're righteous. They're saints. They've been purchased. And what's interesting is they've got a song that nobody else can sing. In fact, nobody else can learn this song. They are going to be going through something unique that nobody else can go through. Can go through. This is just a special time for them, and they have this mark. This is this is God's remnant on the earth during this tribulation period. That's the best way to look at this. Now, what can we learn from that? Just a, a quick word of of exhortation for us. These are saints. In fact, the same word, bond servant, 
is used for the church. It could be. It is used for the church. And this is not the church. This is a separate group. But you know what? They were just slaves of God. The word bondservant means slave. They were possessed by God. They, they were not owned by them. They didn't have any rights. God possessed them. God owned them. God told them what to do. And they were true servants of God. They followed Him wherever He went. It's amazing. That's a picture. It's a glimpse of what a true servant of God is. I look at that and I think, Lord, help me to be that kind of bond servant. That kind of just slave. A slave. Paul said we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong to God. We're bought with a price. It's a wonderful picture. We're slaves of God. Now we're slaves, but with joy in our heart. Can't forget that. There's there's a joy in what we do. But you know what? When it all comes down to it, we're we're just slaves. Slaves of God. We're put here for a purpose to be used by God. Now, what's the significance of these 144,000? Look at at verse 4. And I heard the number of who, the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now, that's pretty clear. The sons of Israel. You can't make that any more clear than it is. This is not the church. This letter was written to the church and he's making this distinction. This isn't the church. This is the sons of Israel. Wait a second, God. I thought you were not using the sons of Israel anymore. I thought you were only using the church. No, this is the sons of Israel. In fact, I want to add to that. I want to make it even more clear by saying there's 12,000 from each tribe. Tribe of Judah, 12,000. Reuben, Gad, Asher, 12,000. Nephthali, all the tribes. They're all represented here. 12 tribes of Israel. And they've been restored. They're bond servants of God. They're going to be used by God. It's a wonderful thought. They had been on the shelf and all of a sudden now God turns His attention to these people that this nation as a nation, these people that used to be His rejected him, and I believe that at this point they begin to realize who their Messiah was, who they actually crucified. It's beginning to dawn on them. And he says specifically, 12,000 from each tribe of Judah, each one of them, or each tribe of Israel. Pretty specific. This is Israel. God is now using Israel again. Again, it's evidence of a good, of a rapture before the tribulation. The church has been taken up and now who's going to represent God on this earth? Israel. During this tribulation period, we see that same concept in the Old Testament. But God is simply keeping His promise. In Romans chapter 11, now this is the passage that was read to us earlier. Look over there if you want to. Romans chapter 11, I want to just point out a couple of things from that passage. Verse 22, it says, Behold the kindness and the severity of the Lord. Now, now look at this. The kindness of the Lord. We, we are enjoying the kindness of the Lord right now. And He is kind. And we have joy in our hearts. But also, notice the severity of the Lord. That He is a God to be, to be feared. For the Gentiles right now, He is being gracious. He is being kind. He is using the church. But He, is, he was severe for Israel. He is not using Israel. He has rejected Israel. 
to those who fail, severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you'll be cast off too. He says, don't forget, church. Don't forget, you can get a little haughty. You can look and compare yourself to Israel and say, ah, Israel's not being used anymore. We are being used. And become a little haughty. And he says, don't you be very careful. Remember the kindness and the severity of the Lord. We have to remember that, don't we? The God that we serve brings joy to our heart, brings spiritual life to our heart. But at the same time, He is a God to be feared. He is a God to be feared. Look down at verse 25. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery. What are you talking about, Paul? So that you will not be wise in your own estimation. Again, pride is just church. Be careful. Church in Rome, be careful of pride in your own life. A partial hardening has happened to Israel as a nation. They rejected their Messiah. It's a, it's a hardening of their heart there has happened to Israel until when? The fullness of the Gentiles. Once that last person comes into the body of Christ and Christ comes and raptures them up, the times of the Gentiles are over. And his attention now turns to Israel. In verse 25, 26, he says, And so all Israel will be saved as a nation. Now, there's some remnants now of even Israel, some that, that believe in Christ, but at some point, as a nation, a significant number of people there, 12,000 from each tribe, that's pretty significant, are going to be saved, he says. They're just going to be saved once the time of the Gentiles is over. And so all Israel will be saved just as it is written. God hasn't forgotten His promise. And He quotes back to the Old Testament, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. That is Israel. That's the nation. He's going to remove that. He's going to cleanse their hearts. And this is, a, this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So I'm going, to, I'm going to remember that. Remember how they were my people. Verse 28, for the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are the beloved for the sake of their fathers. They are beloved for the sake of the... God has not forgotten His promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their fathers. He hasn't forgotten that. That was an unconditional promise. God says, I will use you. I will make you a great nation. You will be significantly used by Me. And it, in the time of the tribulation, God is going to turn His attention back to Israel and He's going to use them Verse 29, he says, For the gift and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. Don't forget, God keeps His promise. If God says He was going to use Israel, He will use Israel. You say, man, it doesn't look like God's using them today. You're right. This isn't the tribulation period. You don't see 12,000 from every tribe right now. But at some point you will. At some point you will. Just remember, God keeps His promise. I like what one commentary said. Uh, These servants of God are the protected so that, are, are, are to be protected so they can continue to proclaim the Word of God and true, and the truth of His Son, Jesus Christ, during the most severe time on the earth, the tribulation. He's going to protect them. They're going to be sealed. They're going to be His. Nobody's going to touch them. And they're going to be able to proclaim the Word of God. And it's going to be Israel. The church won't be there. It'll be Israel. 
And what can we take away from that? Remember, folks, no matter how it looks on this earth, God will keep His promise. The things that, the promises that we see in this book, the, the, the events that we see in this book, let me just tell you, God will keep His promise. It hasn't happened yet. But we dare not lose hope. We dare not lose faith. Just because of what we see today, it may look grim, it may look bad, God will keep His promise. That, that's, that's what we take away from this. Israel was set on the shelf. Israel was not being used. And all of a sudden, life, spiritual life is there. God is using them. In the most difficult of times, He chooses to use Israel. Now let's look. What is the result? What is the result? Look at verse 9. After these things, I looked. We'll just move through this quickly. After these things. Now, that's a significant uh, little phrase there. This is a different scene now. John's turned his scene, his attention back to the throne. Most of his attention has been up there. Back to the throne. He says, after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, all the tribes of the people uh, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes, symbol of purity, symbol of the saints, and palm branches in their hands. And they, they cried out with a loud voice, saying, salvation to our God. That's their song. God saved us. He rescued us. That's the term. He rescued us out. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And, and the angels get involved and all the angels were standing, verse 11, around the throne and uh, around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be given to our God forever and ever. Salvation has come to these people. How many people? Look back at the first. He says, I couldn't count them all. How many people around? I can't, I couldn't count. There was no one could count that high. Thousands, maybe millions of people around the throne. Where did they come from? That's the normal question. Look at verse 13. When one of the elders answered saying to me, these who are clothed in the white robes, who are, who are they? And where did they come from? So one of the elders that are there, these 24 elders that were around the throne, punches John in the ribs. Hey, check these guys out. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. They love God. They, they have a changed heart. They're worshiping God and the Lamb. Hey, where'd they come from? John says, uh, verse 14, he says, I said, um, I said to him, my Lord, you know, John just recognized, hey, I'm visiting this thing, man. This is your game. I'm just, a, I'm just an observer. I don't know these things. And he said to, um, and these are the, and he said, he said to him, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. Now that's, remember the technical term for the last three and a half years of the tribulation, that most intense time. John sees this little vision in heaven and it's all these people that came out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and have made themselves white. How? By the blood of the Lamb. 
by the blood of the Lamb. And for this reason, they are around the throne. They are before the throne and they serve Him day and night. Just continuously, that's what they do. Day and night at the temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle. God, He's going to spread His tent. He's going to spread His tent around them, over them. Verse 16, And they will hunger no longer, nor thirst any longer, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat for the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. I love that. He is going to shepherd. Talk about a switch. They, they are under intense heat, under intense pressure to, to forsake the lamb, give up this notion, and all of a sudden they just get killed and they find themselves up in heaven and all of a sudden they're being comforted by the God of all comfort. Jesus Christ, the Lamb. This Lamb that knows how to be a shepherd. Isn't that a wonderful picture? That's exactly what's happening for the Lamb in the center of the throne. He is shepherd him. Shepherd them. And I will guide them and uh, guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away their tears. Talk about it. A complete contrast. A complete extreme contrast. Going from persecution all the way to being comforted by God just by the piercing of a sword. Just by, just by the, the slice of the, the neck. Killed just like that. All of a sudden they're in heaven being comforted by the shepherd. Wonderful picture. Wonderful picture. Who are these people? Who are these people? Israel. Israel's finally stepping up and doing their part to be a witness to the nations. And it works. It's the greatest revival in all of history. This is innumerable amounts of people standing around the throne praising God. And they came out of the great tribulation. And it was because of the faithful witness of those 144,000 Jews. From every tribe, no tribe was left out. It wasn't the church, it was Israel. God is using Israel again? Yes, God is using Israel again. And the results are incredible. The results are incredible. Notice, they are from, it wasn't just the Jews. They weren't just witnessing to the Jews. They were witnessing to every place. All the peoples of the people, all the people groups of the earth. You see that back in verse 9 and 10. And all of a sudden, they're being shepherded. I love that picture. Because David said, even in the Old Testament, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in in green pasture. This lamb knows how to be a good shepherd. And he knows how to counteract sorrow, doesn't he? Think about that. The greatest torment, the greatest sorrow, being persecuted for your faith, and and all of a sudden you're killed for this, and he has contrasted that slaughter, that hate that was pointed toward you, and now you're being comforted by the God of life, by the shepherd, the Lamb of God. That's a huge contrast. David said that uh, he is, that the Lord is his shepherd. We can say the same thing. Really, Christ is the shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the church, isn't he? 
He is. He's the great shepherd of the church. He is shepherding us all the time. All the time. But here's what we do. I think several things, I guess. We put, we try to find comfort in so many other things. We, we, we find comfort in just other people. We think other people are going to, to be able to fulfill all of my human needs, all of my emotional needs. It's not, not the case. Only God, only the shepherd can really comfort. We, we look at exercise today. That's going to do it. If I can get the right shaped body, then boy, I will be comforted. I will be happy. Or if I could be younger. And if I can't, and then I just go into, I, I just kind of want to check out of life. Go into drugs. Go into alcohol. Our comfort is in the Lord. Our comfort is in the Lord and Him only. And the thing is, is He is a good comforter. He is the God of all comfort. And, the, and we have to go to Him for comfort. He is there. He will comfort. But when we, and here's what we do, we stay off by ourselves. Oh, you know, I'd rather suffer in silence. I'd rather just um, uh, look at my own needs and, and kind of suffer and kind of think of my own self as opposed to going to God's Word and looking to the shepherd for comfort. That's what we do. That's what we do. We, we need to go back to the shepherd. We need to go to His Word to, for comfort it will comfort. He does comfort. He is a great comforter. But so often we, we don't go to Him for comfort. I've been using this verse a lot this week. And, and Peter, Peter says, Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Here's the deal. Lord, I can care for myself better than you can. No, Peter says no. You cast that care on, on Him Because He cares for you. He will care for you even more than you can care for yourself. That's amazing. It's an amazing thought. And yet, yet we try to find comfort from wherever we can. We try to find comfort from the most unlikely places. Israel was put on a shelf. God, all all of a sudden, time of the Gentiles is over. Israel is being used by the Lord. 144,000. This And the result is this countless number of people around the throne praising God. Israel is now taken off the shelf. Israel now is a, is a country being used by the Lord. And when He comes, He's going to stand with Israel. He's going to stand in, in Jerusalem. They've been taken off the shelf. And God will restore Israel. And they will witness for Him. And the result is going to be the greatest revival on the world in the most and the worst of times that the world has ever seen. One of the things that we could take away from this, and we'll, we'll conclude, is this the fact that we don't want to be Israel. We don't want to be like Israel, who God says, I've tried to use you, I've tried to use you, you will not be used, I'm going to just set you on the shelf, I'm not going to use you. In fact, that's really the point in Romans chapter 12. And Paul is trying to warn the church. Remember the kindness and the severity of the Lord. Remember those things. 
And God can just as easily just remove us or just set us on the shelf, not be used. Turn over to one last passage and we'll, we'll end with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is just a motivating factor for me and for really all of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. For I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, after I have gotten up and, and spoken, after I have ministered to hundreds of people or thousands of people and discipled thousands of people, after I've done that, I myself might be disqualified. Paul says he disciplines himself. Church of Jesus Christ, we have to be disciplined. We have to discipline ourselves to keep being used by the Lord so that He uses us. So He doesn't just say, you know what, that's a worthless church. That's, we've just set that church on the shelf. They can do what they're doing, but it's not making any difference to the kingdom of God. I'm just not going to use them. Just completely disqualified. Sin. Rebellion. Now, I don't believe that about Daniel's Bible Church. I believe that we are being used, definitely. But listen... There's always that danger. And Paul said, even Paul, this great, wonderful missionary, he is just pushing it all the time. He says, I even discipline my body so that my body doesn't even get out of control so I'm not disqualified for use of service from the Lord. Now, I think that's what we can learn from Israel. Right now, Israel's not being used. God is using the church. The church is God's representatives here on this earth. But someday Israel will be used. God will turn His attention to Israel and they will be saved and they will be a witness, a powerhouse for Him. And notice, those people knew about the blood of Jesus Christ from Jews. They recognized who their Messiah was. They recognized who they killed. Their their king, their Messiah, they, they sacrificed His blood. And these blessed ones in the tribulation, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you have not placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, that is the the greatest warning that you can take away from this. There is no righteousness apart from Christ. Apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there is no righteousness. We turn from our sins and we put our faith and trust in Christ alone, as Tim has mentioned. Christ alone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for thank you for this reminder. Thank you, Lord, that even in Israel's disobedience, you turned that around for us. And you turned it around so that we could be blessed. That you would use the church. You called us out from all the, the nations of the world. To be a body of, body of Christ and set Israel on the shelf. Um, Lord, help us to remember your severity. But Lord, help us to also remember your kindness. You are a gracious God that even in the, the most difficult time on this earth, the tribulation period, there will be those who are saved. Snatched right out. Salvation come to them because of a faithful witness from Israel. 
144,000 that just proclaimed the Word of God tenaciously in the most difficult of times. Lord, help us to be that kind of bond servant to You. That kind of slave. Lord, I want to be that. Lord, use me. Don't set me on the shelf. Lord, I pray that I would be disciplined enough to just keep on going. Keep on going. Be a faithful witness for You. Continuing to to put my faith in You and trust in You. Even in most difficult times of of life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. If we could help you with uh, any anything, really, we would love to be able to do so. These are spiritual matters. We would love to pray with you. If the Lord has convicted your heart, if you are thinking about these things and, and the Lord is prodding you, we'd love to sit down and maybe share more with you from Scripture. We'd love to be able to do that. I could do that. Or elders, or any of our deacons can do that. Just grab someone to do that. Even throughout the week, I'm willing to, you can stop in at the office at any, any point. We're here to, to shepherd. We're just under shepherds. God is the great, Christ is the great shepherd. We, he uses us. Wonderful thoughts today. Wonderful thoughts. But also a warning. Let's keep those things in mind. Tim, come ahead. Let's close in praise to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.